quiet. Time for a start show. Trouble defeat, audience! Your move silently and hide checks are successful. Good evening, lords, ladies, non-binary, multi-form constructs, and others. You have chosen your entertainment quite wisely, for you are about to experience the most wondrous spectacle in the great, venerable, and multiplanar empire of Voladros and the Wathens. I am your host proprietor, Romande Zwarfinde, and I welcome you to the Twenty-Sided Theatre. Dancing lights! After spending a barely ordinate amount of time in my dressing room, I have finally emerged to greet you, the combined audiences of my own insufferable bastards and my beloved sisters, Red Hand Minstrel Assassins. Since I've been in my private chambers, I haven't even the foggiest idea about what's been going on in Acoustica. So, to catch all of us up on the news of the day, here is Hera, the daughter of Kronos, with her cadre of unquenchable furies. Master Sorvinde, your sense of professionalism has been sorely lacking of late. For the last time, my name is Hera Laris, and these are the Dipson Memorial Action Town Cryos. Oh, what an... Excellent introduction, Dame Laris. So, um, what is the news, Hera? What? But that's not how you're supposed to throw... <sighs> the goddesses help those who tolerate the correctable mistakes of others. Thank you, Romande. Tonight's top story continues the manhunt for the criminal prankster known only by the pseudonym Spangle Gloves. Incidents of property damage and corporal destruction have recently erupted across the town of Acoustica and its swampy outskirts. We go now to the Action Town Crier's very own Pinky the Problematic Dragon Pixie for more information. Pinky? Thank you, Hera. As you can see from the sign sticking out of the wreckage behind me, the hammock tap house and grill collapsed this morning, killing four people and seven domesticated animals. Local authorities currently suspect foul play, largely due to the main support branches, which you'll be able to see clearly if Adonska can get the Scry Crystal recorder close enough. Is that good, Adonska? He's giving me the thumbs up, so that means you can clearly see these two notches in the support branch, where someone seems to have sawed a quarter of the way through the bow from each side. All right, Adonska, that should be a good enough shot. Let's get back down to the ground before something else up here breaks and crushes us to death. Er crushes me to death. 
you're already a ghost. Pinky, why has the Spangled Clubs issued their threats and enacted these violences upon this unsuspecting Hamlet? Well, Hera, according to my sources, this Spangled Gloves began issuing threats a little under a month ago, but the most violent of these pranks didn't start until the past two days. They're apparently upset that the Red Hand Minstrel Assassins will not be headlining this year's traditional Acoustician Birthday Hoedown Festival. The fact that the most popular five-piece musical act in the Empire will be replaced by the most popular single act seems to make no difference to this glitter-handed terrorist. How awful. As every Bleeding Edge music fan knows, the traditional Acoustican Birthday Hoedown is the largest, most popular musical festival in the province of Scotalia. Somewhere on the order of 10,000 visitors typically descend upon the swamp at this time of year, making security a top priority for the town, just ahead of clean water and plentiful foodstuffs. Ha! Huh. I didn't know that. I'd never even heard of this festival until just a little while ago when I was assigned to this story. That is because you sit upon the dull edge of the knife that is musical taste, Pinky. Somewhere down near the Quillians, where the sharpening stone actually doesn't do much good. Anything else to report, Pinky? Just that the public need not fear for their safety at this particular festival. Both the Red Hand and the Insufferable Bastards are aiding the Acoustican Public Investigators Guild in the search for this Spangle Gloves character. A reward of three gold puntillos has been offered for any information leading to the capture of this dangerous individual. Back to you, Hera. Thank you, Pinky. Up next, the Wiz will show us three simple tricks for cleaning your home and taking control of your life. But first, a word from our sponsors. Elegance, mystique, comfort. These are the things one looks for in life, and these three qualities are the most important when choosing a means of conveyance. Introducing the all-new Year 10946 line of luxury flying carpets from the Shenouda Necromancy Corporation. Every strand of these top-of-the-line rugs is woven from sustainably sourced organic corpse hair. Because why shouldn't your means of transportation shine like your own luxuriant locks? Come on down to Kenton's Discount Flying Carpets and try the new Carpata LX by Shenouda Necromancy today. Oh, my appreciated patrons, please do settle in upon your brazen benches, slurp out your gaudy cups, enkindle your combustibles, and adjust your listening devices that you may thoroughly enjoy your scryomantic, stereoscopic evening at the Twenty-Sided Theater. You're sitting amidst the rubble of the hammock, taphouse, and stove. The finest and only inn to be found in all of Acoustica. The building is in ruins due to a lives-threatening prank at the hands of some unknown individual who goes by the moniker Spangle Gloves. And it's up to us to figure out who this Spangle Gloves character really is and bring them to justice. Or we could just murder them, Steve. That's kind of our go-to solution for most problems. That's not true, Issa. 
What about that time Tularia and I masqueraded as the notoriously fictitious gangster Don Vincenzo? Just so I could recover Nelio, my pet monkey. That plan didn't involve murdering anybody, did it, Nelio? <laughs> didn't I clothesline you with a knockout fish earlier? Tuxie, maybe you ought to hit him with that slapfish again. My black Merlin Blackjack is always ready for action, Lady Featherfoot. Ugh. For the last time, penguins, the father of combative arts has called a ceasefire in the war on bards. At least until we return to the Empire's capital and put the Emperor in its place. Meldrith, you limp-tongued half-wit. That's not our mission. We are to return to the holy city of Sandaskar for the united defense of all worlds from the polycosmic and tropic beings known to us as the Hungering End. Actually, Iminon, Father Maldrith might have spoken truly there. If the Emperor has been displaced or dislodged from his throne room, in that case, then we just need to secure the palace so we can stick the man back where he belongs. On a fancy chair. You know, we could just go to one of the infinite parallel worlds where Sandiskar isn't currently falling to destructive chaos elementals. Then Morton's plan of putting the Emperor on his chair and going home will be finished before we even start. Yeah, Frimlock, but what about the other hundreds or thousands of versions of Sandaskar that are already destroyed and their iterations of the Emperor dead? We shouldn't mess around too much with the reality shuffling. Let's just keep things simple and go back to save our emperor instead. After we discover who has been threatening my hometown just because they don't like the fact that it's my sister's birthday. I still think I'm looking at prime suspect number one right here. I mean, who else hates Isriana enough to fuck up her sweet 216? Now look here. I promise you that the insubpinable Romande Zwarfinde had nothing to do with all of the vicious traps that have been laid out around Acoustica. Furthermore, I have had somebody from this party next to me near continuously since I came out from behind that big rock. That big rock which was definitely not a bush. You know, the one that was right after we killed that ball of fish heads. Anyway, how could I have possibly laid out all of these intricate, clever, and finely crafted traps under those circumstances? It's the near part of that near continuously that makes me less inclined toward trusting you, Bard. Who knows? Maybe this time you're working with your niece or something. Which reminds me, I need to go back to the pig farm this morning, partly to get ready for tonight's traditional acoustic and birthday hoedown, and partially to spend some quality time with my darling granddaughter Helena and my beloved wife, Mom on Bay. Before you leave, I have a question. Or perhaps a series of questions, depending on how you answer. So, let's this invest 
Yes, Miss Steve, how may I be of service? And I thank you for starting your query in the time-honored acoustic and ritual of investigation. You're welcome. So, how come it sounds like you married your sister? Also, it's kind of gross that your parents named you Mamande and Pa Monday as if they were expecting this. I appreciate your curiosity, and since I don't have time for another full explanation of our proud and traditional acoustic and naming conventions, it must suffice to say that when two elves love each other very, very much and want to start a life together, they must first decide on a new suffix that their family unit will use for their given and family names. Each of us legally became a Monday a few days before our wedding when the paperwork was filed. So, you married a woman whose name was Ma? That points to some deeply disturbing Oedipal shock. Oh, no, 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 my dear chameleon. Her name became Ma when she became a mother, which happens to be right about the time that my name became Pa. You know, they say a woman is a mother as soon as she knows she's pregnant. But a man doesn't become a father until he sees his child take its first breath. So what was her name before it was Ma? Miss Steve, I will forgive your curiosity since you're foreigner and are therefore less familiar with our local cultural practices. But I must say that it is surpassingly rude to inquire so keenly about my wife's maiden name. Why, with that information, nearly anybody could steal my dearly beloved children's identities. Oh, sorry, Mr. Mogafende. I didn't mean to be rude. I just felt so comfortable thanks to your fine northern hospitality that I sort of forgot to filter my thoughts before speaking. That's okay, Miss Steve. All this talk about my wedding is just bringing the flood of memories back, and some of them ain't so good. Did you know that bro and sis's grandfather didn't approve of my courting his daughter? From day one, all he would say to her on the topic was, my dear Evelyn, you must forget about that Lollicante boy and return to the Undying Lands. Wow, that sure sucks. But it sounds like love won out in the end. And speaking of the ending of things, what caused those tree branches to snap and ruin this swamp town's only inn? Was that you with your aura of radiation, Imminond? It most certainly was not, Dwarf. We haven't been here long enough for my free radicals to affect the trees that severely. Yet. Look at all that sawdust. Someone or something has been sawing at the inn's support branches. So, you didn't cause the branches to break, but you're certainly not helping the situation with your radiation aura. Precisely. Now, let us disperse throughout the town that we might find this spangle gloves and turn their destructive and jealous nature into something more manipulable. 
I'm not done investigating the scene of the crime yet. Hey, Mr. Mohafinde, you said your twins were born on different days. Yeah, but I assume Izzy was born before midnight and Bro was born after. But I also assume that Bro Monde lied to Izzy and that's why she thinks he's the older twin. That's a reasonable assumption, Issa. But there are other options. For instance, do you elves celebrate the festivals of springing forward and falling back? If the Acousticans save daylight like my people do, then the twins could have been born an hour apart on parchment, but only minutes apart by the hourglass. Oh no, it's nothing quite as complicated as that. According to that Imperial birth certificate that my darling sis Monday presented to me about a month ago, she was born in the last hour of the last day of the month of Harvester, and little bro Monday was born in the first hour of the first day of the month of No Plants. Although... Although... Well, you see, in leap years, we add a few extra days to the month of Harvester. You know, to account for the eccentricity of our planet's orbit around the sun. So, Isriana was born on the 28th and Romande was born on the 1st. 28th and 1st? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Master Salzgild. You must mean the 45th and the 49th. We Acousticans are particularly proud of our traditional calendaring and numbering systems here. So yes, I suppose that some years my twins' birthdays must have been four days apart. Though I cannot ever remember celebrating that way. And there is no way that little kid Romande would ever share anything with his sister if he didn't have to. Yeah, but on the other hand, I'd want to block out all memories of Romande throwing tantrums. So maybe Mulcafinde Catherine here's just put all those memories into his don't box. What's a don't box? You know, that mental construct you keep in the deepest, darkest cellar of your mind, palace. It's an old, worn-down box, and most of the pain is flaked away, but you can still clearly read the word don't scrawled on top of it. That's where I put all the memories I don't want to think about. I still don't really get what you're talking about. What kinds of things have you put into your don't box, Thrimlock? Nice try, Chameleon. But I'm not going to dredge up things like Sonome's true name from before I killed him and raised him as a skeleton. And how do you not get what I'm talking about? Your mind palace must be a shambles if you don't know where to put all the thoughts that cause you distress. Besides, why do you think I put anything into the don't box? Other than how long I've been standing too close to Imminent and his aura of radiation. <clears throat> his aura of radiation. <clears throat> his aura of radiation. <clears throat> Thrimlock, why are you emptying the contents of your stomach all over the ground beneath my floating disc? You should at least have the common decency to die immediately afterward if you're going to vomit at somebody. Thrimlock. Makar severely disproves of your losing ground in the war on cancer. As penance, you must overcome this challenge without the benefit of my infernal healing fist. Ugh. 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 Sorry, Gavaran. Sorry, Maldreth. Like I said, all of your radiation is one of those things I typically don't think about. 
but I do happen to be a master portalmancer, so I should be able to open a quick gateway to a place where I can acquire drugs to cure my radiation poisoning. What do you want? And what are you doing in Chemical Lab Row? Well, you see... Never mind that! Now that you're here, you'll be the perfect test subject for this new cocktail of radiation blockers, genetic stabilizers, and mutagenic retardants! Just hold still while I fill this sliding tech brand massive needle! Look, whoever you are, I'm just gonna get out of here and... Ouch! My neck! Hey, I, I can feel it working already! Thanks, Mr. Irresponsible Alchemist! By means of payment, I'll turn this doorway into a permanent path to the frozen summit cross-planar bar and grill! And with my debt fully paid, I'll open up another gateway back to Acoustica! was the only door in this room! How am I supposed to get out now? <sighs> I guess this is why I invented the intercom. Sona, get in here and bring the mason with you! We have to do some remodeling! And now, a word from our beloved progenitor, um, sponsor. Well, hello there, friends. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm Pomonde Mokafinde, the most famous pig farmer in all of Acoustica. My prize hogs have won best in show at farming recitals in both the Upper South and the Deep North of Scatalia. It is true what you've heard. Scatalian farmers prefer Mokafinde's hog liniment and barnyard balm 3 to 1 over the Mammoth King exotic mount grooming products. Only the very best ingredients are steamed, brewed, and stewed in locally handmade elven pottery, and all patches are blessed by one of our venerable swamp witches. The Mammoth King wouldn't know us. What the? I am the Mammoth King! And who are you? Me and Swamp Jugger. This am Her Majesty, the Mammoth King. What do you think you're doing on my property? You shut your mouth, Big Elf. Your Majesty the Mammoth King has an important message for a share. I am the Mammoth King. But he already said we that. I think we already tell you for shut up, Big Elf. Her Majesty say the Mammoth King brand exotic mount grooming products and be more good for animals than dumb grease made by stupid pig elf. Why, I never... I am the Mammoth King! Her Majesty say the Mammoth King exotic mount grooming products and be now available at all best merchants and shoppies. I am the on that weirdo with the goggles. I'm glad to see you feeling better, Master. 
what the old rogue seems to be collecting stocking. What? what? Oh, I must have taken a tea to the plane of socks. I'll just peel these off and down! Swim like Catherine. What do you think you're doing discharging electricity like that among the debris of the hammock tap house and stove? Are you trying to start the next great fire of Acoustica or something, boy? Hmm, interesting. I didn't sense any sort of magical resonance when that elf shot that bolt from his head. Master Shenouda, the arcane is more your realm of expertise than mine. Was there something that Makar has shielded from my mind? I do not believe so, Reverend Maldred. I am ever ready to counterspell that twit if needs be, and he tripped none of my alarms. Perhaps we should subject our faithful friend Thrimlock to further study. Oh, no you don't. I'm not letting you two lay your hands on me. Sir Gnome, defend your master! Thrimlock stretches out his hands and yanks Sir Gnome off the ground, holding him a full ILDM from the carpet of debris. As Imanond and Maldreth draw closer, the hairs on Thrimlock's arms begin to stand on end, and his unkempt blonde locks rise like the hackles on a lion's back. Yeah, yeah. With a loud crack and a blinding blue flash, a 30 ILDM bar of condensed electrical energy explodes from Thrimlock's hands, coursing through Sir Gnome and firing out the skeleton's eye and nose sockets into the air between the looming mummy and the lich. Whoa! I've never done that before! That was kind of cool! What are you talking about? You throw lightning bolts around all the time. Yeah, but I usually have to cast a spell to do so. And I'd never endanger a spell's effectiveness by channeling it through Sonome. Maybe it's like how I'm so good at jumping and can see through walls now. I got those abilities from standing too close to Imanon for a while. But anyway, there's still a spangle glove on the loose. Let's get this investigation underway. Hey, you! The elf who takes orders and serves food stuffs. Yeah, you! Glove slap! What do you know about the recent threats to Palmonde and his family? Look here. Nobody from around these parts goes by spangle gloves in any language. Too fancy a name for any decent acoustican if you ask me. Thanks! Elf, and now it's time for me to vanish! Hey, where'd she go? Steve, why do you think you'll get any new information out of the people who work in the bar that just collapsed? We need to go out into town and continue our investigations there. Come, Tuxi, we are headed to the stump, where tonight's performance is supposed to be held. Right behind you, Lady Featherfly. The penguin set off toward the Acoustica stump where they find Zolov the Mesmerist conducting his own investigation. Hey, Zolov. What? Yeah, you. The alien-fed vampire who looks and smells like the smokestack on a tannery. Are you Spangled Gloves? Oh, wait, uh, hand me the glove, would you, Tuxie? Do you want the one with the lead weights and the fingertips? Nah, we don't need the heavy glove this time. We're just asking questions. Now, back to you, Zolov. What's this you want? Oh! You know anything about this Spangle Gloves dude? 
The only people I've seen wearing gloves today have been farmers, and all of those gloves are made out of Pomande's pristine pigskin. And you, I guess, but the Red Hen's gloves are, you know, red. Wells, we've been sweeping the towns for the traps every hour or so, and we seem to find ones or twos on every pass. Most of those were set off by Shakes the Skenst car. We ain't got no goods lead yet, but the Red Hand's minstrels assassin's quintet is on the case. Gotcha. And Shakes is hell's a clumsy, so there is very little chance that he's setting up traps around town. Did you hear that, Tuxy? I did, Fishball Head. It sounded like a dwarf falling into a pit that was full of bald lightning. We'd better go check it out. The penguins leave Zolov to his own investigations and rush across town toward the acoustic tree of records, where they find Morton's unconscious body being hauled out of a hole by Joran Swiftriver, the Red Hand's lightning-limbed drummer. Uh, figuratively lightning-limbed. He's a really fast drummer, but he's not, like, made out of electricity or anything. Uh, either way, he is pulling Morton out of a crackling pit. There you go, Master Dwarf. Let's get you up out of that hole and onto the ground. I know dwarves like to sleep beneath the earth, but I think that's more of a dugout den you're in than a carved out hole. Good. Now, just let me uncork this potion and pour it into your mouth. And with a little massaging of the throat. <laughs> like you fell into a pit trap full of lightning spears. Sorry, I thought I'd thoroughly swept this area. Well, thank you for your assistance, Master Swift River. I suppose you and your band are investigating the situation around here, too? Indeed, we are. Not much progress yet, but Acoustica will be safe so long as the Red Hand is on the job. Well, then. I might as well ask you some questions as part of my investigation. It's kind of weird that I haven't seen Ramonde's sister yet. And this whole festival is supposed to be in honor of her birthday. So, where is she? When's the last time you saw Isriana? We haven't seen Izzy since we arrived in Acoustica about a month ago. She introduced us to her parents, and she was gone before any of us woke the next morning. Well, that sounds suspicious. Well, the townspeople say it's part of the local tradition for the birthday person to recuse themselves for three days before the party. But some people tend to go on a vision quest or something for a couple weeks instead, so we shouldn't worry. But they usually take at least two childhood friends with them when that happens. Not necessarily to the custom, but you know how these deep northern swamp elves can be. It's slowly becoming tradition. Hmm. Hmm. So, Miss Alephinde hasn't been seen for a month. But that's within the realm of expectation. But 
It was also about a month ago that Spangle Gloves left their first threatening note. But there's no logical reason that she'd want to sabotage her own party. That we know of. I mean, she is Rolande's sister. Who knows what kind of harebrained motivations are jostling around in that elfy head of hers. Oh, hi, sir. I must not have seen you approach while I was unconscious in that pit. This is not the only person you missed, Morton. Ah, ah, don't sneak up on me like that, Steve. Well, you were the closest magic-type person to where I found this suspicious steel skull. See how its eye sockets have little red pinpricks of light in them? Oh, wait. The red lights are bigger than they used to be. And they're getting brighter by the second. Morton, what the hells is that thing? Detect magic! Well, it's got quite an evocative aura. You know what I mean. It's heavily suffused with negative energy. If I can just focus my spell probe... Uh, oh, shark! Steve, you need to get rid of that thing right now! Why? What's in my hand? What am I holding, Morton? It's a skull blast trap, you stupid chameleon! Get it out of here before it... <laughs> Is everybody okay? Sound off! Oh, I'll smell like burnt hair for a while, but I'm not dead yet! Mark, my cummerbund made it through unscathed, Lady Featherfoot. I think I still have both of my hands and all of my fingers. I might ask Maldreth for some healing when I see him next. I crouched behind the wall of drums as soon as I saw what the chameleon was holding. You're not in our party, Joran. We don't care. But it's good to know that you'll live to annoy our bard another day. And Steve, it might be a better idea to ask Torea for healing than Malbreth. Yeah, I suppose you're right, Issa. And if we can't find Torea, then I guess we can write off any healing services we buy as a business expense since we're supposed to to be playing a show tonight. Oh, yeah. I'd completely forgotten about the song we're supposed to play. I'd better tune up my clan's ancestral tambourine. What time is show call again? The party starts between two and three hours after sundown. You guys will play until the runt moon touches the top of the great trunk of Acoustica. Then it's the roadies' time to shine for a bit. And after that, the red hand goes on. And that means that show call is four hours before sundown. You look up and behold Romande leaning out of the highest window of the great trunk. He holds an enormous black Samite jacket, big enough to fit Maldreth, embroidered all over with various flowers and vines in silver and gold thread. I have chosen you each one of the most complicated, most eye-arresting costumes ever to emerge from Tularia's tailoring room. Luckily, chameleons don't usually dress in any sort of clothing, 
So I've got some more free time to continue my investigation. So I guess Steve won't be wearing anything that's been picked out then? Steve will wear exactly what I tell her to wear. It's my sister's birthday. You hate your sister. Oh, right. I I do hate her. And um and and that is why I shall control every aspect of this party. Right down to the silk stockings beneath Steve's silver slippers and the garlands on Issa's beak. So get your assorted posteriors backstage for fittings now. I hate you. I hate you. Ramande. I hate you. Visit the 20 Sided Theater online at 20sidedtheater.com. You can also follow us on Twitter through scryamagical links that Imanand and Thrimlock have established. You can follow the 20 Sided Theater at 20 Sided Theater, spelled with an R E. The inexcusable Romande Sorvinde at Illustrious Row, Master Imanon Shenuda at Shenuda Necro Co, Thrimlock Lenanian at Thrimlock, me, Issa Featherfoot, at Lady Featherfoot, and Spirit of the Swift Wind at Spirit OTSW. Check the show notes if you need help with the spellings. The 20 Sided Theater is brought to you by Solfinde Productions and the Shenuda Necromancy Corporation. This episode stars Gabriel Abenante, Natalie Abenante, Blake Parker, Peridon Quatrin, Ian Quatrin, Rory Quatrin, and Tony Scarufi. Tonight's episode was written by Rory Quatrin and Blake Parker. Engineering by Blake Parker. Music by Oddbox Anonymous. Ben Briggs. Hatashu. Rocco W. Silverman Sound Studios, Stephen O'Brien, and VCMG. For a complete list of and links to all the music and sound effects you heard on tonight's episode, visit the show notes at 20sidedtheater.com. While you're there, consider donating to the upkeep and production of the 20-sided theater. If you don't, we'll send Master Tamarinist Morton Salzgeld to give you a most enthusiastic solo performance. Join us next time at the 20-sided theater. And this is my literally faceless backing band. One, two, three, four. That was this afternoon's performance by Threlus and the Faceless, an up-and-coming band that formed this very morning when Parmonde realized that he needed an opening act so that the audience could draw favorable comparisons between some hackneyed nobodies and his son's insufferable bastards. 
I'm Hera Laris, and this is Beneath the Opera Pit. The story of Threlis and the Faceless goes all the way back to this morning, when certain news reached certain ears. I was up really, really early. I don't sleep much because of all the retarded organ systems I've installed over the years. But anyway, I was listening to the post-post-midnight report from the Gypsy Memorial Action Town Criers and like the dead guy on sports. When I heard about the show tonight at the Acoustica Stump and how the headliners would be Romante's insufferable bastards. If the bastards were playing, then Thrimlock would be there. And I wasn't gonna let that knife-eared other me take the stage without the looming danger of falling off of him into a mosh pit, compressed to 616, forcibly reinforced, and go ball hooligans. So Threllis opened a portal to one of his many graveyard stockpiles, cast a few dozen spells, opened another portal, and stepped forth into Acoustica's town square. Well, I was on my way home from the hammock, tap house, and stove when I first saw that lean boy come through the portal. I thought it was Thrimlock Catherine making a parade of some sort with Master Shenouda's irradiated necromages. I gotta admit, I was powerful relieved when I realized it wasn't that irresponsible portal mancer and that them zombies wasn't making people sick in a lapdog in a leper colony. And it had just occurred to me how tall a hill of trouble my son would raise if he realized that he was the opening act. So I approached that lean boy right away. So I picked the first four zombies I saw and put instruments in their hands and we immediately formed leans lashing luthiers. Then tragedy struck. Hey, you... The Shenouda irradiated necromage. Stop standing so close to my lashing luthiers. You're melting all the flesh that I used to cover their skulls. Oh, now they're all bumping into each other. You're not even supposed to be moving yet anyway. Haven't you learned your blocking? Well, without a backing band, the acoustic and council of good taste wouldn't let the lean boy take the stage. You see, a band isn't a band without at least two sapient performers and three instruments. Four instruments if you've got a tambourinist to make up the difference. With a few hours of necromantic surgery and a little rebranding, Prelis returned with a new band. I solved the face-melting problem by removing their faces. Thus did Prelis and the Faceless emerge like a clutch of phoenixes from the ashy eggs of Lean's lashing luthiers. Although they've only played the Acoustican audition thus far, this band shows great promise. When they take the stage this evening, you can be sure, listener, that Hera Laris and Beneath the Opera Pit will be there with eyes wide open, ears perked up, and scry crystals recording everything. <laughs>